deep in the woods, you're sure to find all kinds of things, whether it's some wrong turn, Alabama cousin- Whoa, 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 okay, we won't go that far, but no matter where you are, it seems that there are some terrifying stories coming from the woods. These viewers sent in some terrifying experiences that they claim to be true. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or r slash thedarkswamp on reddit. I share a lot of scary stories, and I often research a lot of terrifyingly true things that happen all across the globe every single day, and sometimes it can have me feeling a little bit fatigued and anxious. For a while, I really didn't know what to do about it, and I just kind of dealt with it. But then I discovered Microdose. Now I know a lot of people are gonna say, Swamp, Swamp, you, you dropping the shrooms, man? Oh well, no, no. I know Microdosing might be confusing to a lot of people since it's common associated with other things, but honestly, microdosing THC has been very beneficial to myself. I've honestly been doing this for years, and it's helped me be very productive with my creativity, enjoying the moment, my sleep patterns, my pain, my anxiety, and it's really helped out with my workout and recovery. I feel much less sore after lifting those weights in the gym. If you're interested in learning more about microdosing THC, be sure to check out today's sponsor, Microdose Gummies. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. They really do taste and feel great. They are my go-to secret weapon when I need to focus on creative projects like creating videos for you all here in the swamp. All around, they're a 10 out of 10 for me. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code SWAMPS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com and code Swamped. Close Encounter with Wolves by Z. So this story might not be as scary as the others, because it doesn't have to do with the paranormal or any creepy human encounters, but instead with a pack of wolves. Also, this story took place when I was 12 in a small northern Canadian town with nothing to do, so I took a particular liking to hiking and spending time in the forest at a young age. I still do. Just, there have been some unpleasant things I've experienced over the years. But this one is one of the stories that stick with me the most. I remember being incredibly bored, and it was a cold fall afternoon, so most of my friends instead planned on watching movies or playing video games. I walked down to my best friend's house as I knew he was interested in hiking, and would probably come for a walk through the forest with me. When I got to his house, he put on some beat up sneakers and a hoodie and we left. On the walk there, we talked about different video games we had played, but then as we began to walk down the trail itself into the wood, I felt that something was off, and my friend looked at me and asked if something seemed off as well. I lied and told him no because I did not want to wreck the mood by making us paranoid and asked, what about you? He also said he didn't hear anything, but I think we could both tell that we were lying to each other, so I tried to switch up the topic to lighten the mood. But all of a sudden, I was interrupted by the loudest howl I'd ever heard, and my friend immediately looked at me and said, Oh my god, that sounded close. So we decided to turn around and haul butt out of there. The closer we got to civilization, the more we let our guard down until my friend stopped dead in his tracks and said, Holy crap. I looked to where he was facing and I see a massive gray wolf standing between us with its head held low to the ground staring at us from the tree line. I tell my friend to keep his eye on it and slowly back away as I guide us toward the exit. 
As we were backing as calmly as possible. That's crap. There's more of them. And this is where I began to believe that we were done for, as one wolf could be scared off much more easily than a pack. Still, out of someone's backyard, this big German Shepherd started barking, which drew their attention from us to the dog. I had also been so scared I hadn't even realized we were already back at the houses. In reality, we had probably been making eye contact for less than 30 seconds. Still, it felt much, much longer. But as soon as the wolves drew full attention to the dog, my friend and I booked it, booked it as fast as we ever have, ran like bats out of hell. We never looked back, and I'll never forget that night for as long as I live. As soon as we returned back to my friend's house, we decided not to tell the adults because we were scared we would get our little forest adventures taken away. And that's basically the story of my experience with wolves. Thanks, Swamp Dweller, for allowing me to share my story. Keep up the good videos. The Surrounding Forest by Heather G. When I was 16 years old, I stayed at my grandparents' house in Crawford County, Arkansas during a Thanksgiving vacation. To my knowledge, at this point, my grandparents were highly religious and were relatively quiet people and pretty friendly. This place I wasn't so scared of, although nothing really scary had happened to me up until the stories I'm about to share. There was just odd and heavy feelings in specific areas of the home up until that point. There weren't any extra rooms except the spare room that I, for some reason at the time, had an extremely uncomfortable feeling about and refused to stay in there on my last night. I was asleep on the couch and as per any spooky story, I felt something watching me. I rolled over expecting to see one of my parents and the room was the darkest darkness I had ever witnessed. The only thing I could see was, well, this shadow. Initially, I couldn't wrap my head around what I was looking at and stared at it longer than I probably should have to try to solidify what I was looking at. The first thing I noticed was its gigantic smile which captivated me and gave me some sense that I didn't need to be scared. Then, I saw right where its head should have ended was where another head actually started and it had the same face, but it was upside down, displaying an upside down smile. It had giant ears like a cat on the top of its head and straight up looked like something out of where the wild things are, but grotesque. Its eyes were beady, but yellow, to not anything like puppy dog eyes I had ever seen. It held its vast grin with the- it held this vast grin the entire time that we stared at each other. Its fur was black and brown and was short and shaggy. It stood with its knees slightly bent, its arms out in front, its elbows drawn in, and its hands looked limp. After about 30 seconds, at least, of unbroken eye contact, I told myself in bed, If I die, I die, and rolled over and went back to sleep. Nothing else happened that night, and since it was my last night sleeping in that house, my dad picked me up in the morning and I didn't really think about it much after that for quite some time. I don't remember whether I told my dad or not, but I never stayed the night in that house again. There was just something traumatizing about the whole event. About two years later, I told my mom about what happened. It didn't even faze her, and she said that the room I had that eerie and uncomfortable feeling in used to be her room. She said that she and my cousin were staying the night together one night. My mom said that in the middle of the night she felt something warm get into bed with her. She said it was so heavy when it got into bed that she almost rolled into it because it made such a massive indent where it lay. She said she asked my cousin to roll over and got no response. My mom rolled over to see that there was nothing there and there was no more indent. 
She said she touched it where she felt it get into bed with her, and it was warm to the touch like someone had been in there with her all along. She then tells me that before my grandparents were the hunky-dory people they were, my grandpa specifically practiced black magic and was not a great person sometimes. While my grandma just let things happen, she said that the neighbor who lived about a mile away, very few people live in that area, especially at that time because it was just land and forest surrounding the area for about five miles any way you go. And my grandpa did not get along with this neighbor. My mom said that one day my grandfather had gotten into it with that man and made a doll out to be the neighbor. My mom said that my grandpa took that doll, went into the forest, into the back of their house. They nailed it to a tree with a nail through the middle of the doll's head. According to my mom, the man my grandpa made the doll of died of stage 4 brain cancer a few months after this instance. I'm assuming this is why my grandparents made such a massive switch in their lives. But before my grandpa died, he always said he wanted to die in the church. When he died, he was the last person left in the service area and he had a heart attack and keeled over, hitting his head on the pew, causing him to have a stroke and die right then and there. Hometown Murder by Pepper Four This isn't a paranormal or wild animal encounter. However, as we know, the scariest things that happen usually happen by humans. This story is about an actual unsolved murder in my hometown that's 35 years old. I grew up in a small town in Tennessee, and being in the country with basically only five houses on our road and all being family makes this story even more alarming. I'm now a retired veteran of the Iraqi and Afghanistan conflict, so I've seen my share of horror stories. However, even being alive to join the military was luck. It was September 1987, and time for my town's yearly visit for the fair or carnival was here. It was Saturday night, and I had been hunting our property alone since I was nine years old. I had a friend we would call Twin. She was a year younger and lived across the family's 170-acre field in wood. Being that this was the 1980s, I had a three-wheeler. I'm lucky to have survived that, to be honest, but times were different. Twin liked to hunt. We'd sneak out, scout areas, and smoke our parents' cigarettes. So it's probably 1.30 or so, and I'm in my room, which is located in the basement. My mom and I lived about 200 yards across the pasture from my grandfather, so I would have to push my old, big, red three-wheeler down the road and come back through the gate about a mile down the road and go on a trail we used to pick up twin. So we are looking out, laughing, and doing what most country kids did back then. Finally, we went to our deer blind, which are common today, but in the 1980s not many people had an enclosed shelter that could see the fields and the woods, but also had heat and kept the wind off of you. So we went up into the blind my uncle had built. We're talking about the fair, the rides and things. Me being male and twin being female, our families always joked that we were boyfriend and girlfriend which got under our skins. We were talking, smoking, and just enjoying everything, thinking we're cool. When I hear walking, it's in the distance but it's definitely walking. But I look at Twin. I realize this is not my uncle as he and my cousin have gone out of town. I asked if she thought her sister could have been around, but she said no, she helped her sneak out. That's when she questioned, do you think your dad found out? I shrugged and we both got quiet. We saw two men talking and cursing. Shit, we got guys trying to hunt illegally, but it wasn't bow season yet and gun season isn't until November. We watch a flashlight come within 20 yards of the blind and right on top of where I'd been hiding my three-wheeler. What are they doing? Twin said. I'm not sure. 
I whispered. It looks like they're digging. This incident is why I never go into the woods without a weapon, even until this day. We both saw when the flashlight hit... We both saw when the flashlight's beam hit one of the men they had a pistol. They aren't hunting. They probably broke into a house and are hiding stuff, Twin said. Maybe, I concurred. We sat and watched at the sky as it began to light up very slightly. They come toward us, and we both go to the entrance of the blind, which is a hole in the floor. We cover the hole with the cover and sit on it. Be still, I said. We held our breath as they walked under us, and they never noticed either us or the blind. We watched as they stumbled for what felt like hours. You see that? said Twin. Headlights came on and the car went towards Mr. Canyon. And the car went towards Mr. Cannon. We hopped down and went over to see what they were doing. There, there's a bloody t-shirt. Gloves and a gas smell. And it looks like an empty box of matches. They killed the deer, we thought, and tried to hide. Hunting was definitely not in season. Assholes ignored the private property signs and everything. But I saw something else. Gloves and some white powder in a bag. I, I think that's drugs. Maybe they are, I said. I, I've never really seen anything at that point in my life to know, and I don't do drugs now, so I'm still unsure, but if I had to guess, it was likely some sort of coke or something. We grabbed the t-shirt, gloves, and pack and took off. I dropped Twin off and speed across the field home. I got home and woke my mom up showing her what we found and explaining what happened. She called the police, and it took about three and a half hours for them to even get there. Where did you find this? The cop asked. In our woods, I said. I took the officer to the tree and began... And they began digging and found three large bags full of cocaine. One of the men looked at me. You're lucky, son. How did they not see you, but you saw them? I was actually in our hunting blind, I said. I showed them where it was. And they said, no wonder they didn't see you. You're very lucky. They murdered two people and stole drugs and money. I felt sick. They were hiding the evidence. Do you know them? No, I really don't, I told them. After that, they left. There were no leads, no nothing. It ended up being a girl on our bus's dad, and apparently he was dealing drugs. Although we would still sneak out after this event, we would always be much more cautious. And even to this day, like I said earlier in this story, I still carry a weapon no matter where I go outside, but especially in the woods. Overall, it is a sad story, and maybe one day Swamp Dweller can make a documentary on it. The victim's name is Danny Wells and Julia Twink. I hope they solve that case. Scary Man in the Woods by Undeniable Self-Doubt Okay, I'm a 40-year-old man, but this story is from when I was 16 years old in 1998, and I got my first vehicle on the road, a 50cc motorbike. So, there was this dude I used to know. He was a few years older than me, and he had his own place. We used to go round his gaff with a mate or two, and I'd smoke pot, listen to music, and just chill. But that's just the in-between details. One particular night, I left his flat. It was a pretty sweet one. It was adapted from the old servants' living quarters of this mansion in the middle of nowhere in the woods. I was heading home, driving on my bike, going through the winding roads through the woods. Home is my parents' cottage, which is also in the sticks. Now, we lived in a very rural area, and it was about a five-mile ride for me to get to his house from mine down a single lane country road surrounded by nothing but trees for miles and miles. I remember the moon was big and bright and I was enjoying the brisk winter air. It was sometime around 1am 
about three miles into my journey, I came into a thick wooded area, and the trees were quite thick at the canopy, so it cut out absolutely all the moonlight. The nearest street lamp was in a town another 10 miles away. I came to this junction where it was not my right of way, so I pulled my bike to a halt. Not that there would be any traffic there at this time of night, but I had had a close call before in the past by just winging past, and I learned my lesson. So, to a stop I came. I looked left and right, then went again. And as I turned my head back, I came face to face with a man standing beside me. He had an overcoat on with the hood up and just stood there with his face in mine. I screamed like a little girl in his face, peeled out of there like nobody's business, and gunned it the rest of the two miles back home without slowing down one time. I rode into the drive, whipped my keys out of the ignition, and dropped the bike with no time for the stand. I fumbled desperately with my front door key, and the more desperate I got, the more I couldn't make it work. Finally, I got in the house and locked the door behind me. My mother was sitting up having her last cigarette of the night and reading a book before bed. She had never seen anything so white. She had never seen me so white and scared and inquired about what had happened. I couldn't speak and just went to my room and tried to sleep. It was tough to sleep that night. Whenever I closed my eyes, I could see that man's face. The next morning, it just seemed like a bad dream. I told my parents what had happened. And my mom said that some other guy had a very similar experience at the junction a couple of years before. I didn't stay late at my friend's house for at least a month afterward. Even today, if I have to travel that route through the woods, I always expect to see him again. But thankfully, I never have, and I hope I never do again. Running is the best option. Bye. Satan's Panic Attack. I'll start by stating that I haven't always lived the best life. I've made many dumb decisions that have led to me being in sketchy and dangerous situations such as the one that I'm about to share. However, it's also because of this that I'm always paranoid and prepared enough to face them. Rarely I run away from danger and I always have protection on me when I leave my house. This will be relevant later on in the story. This happened back when I was roughly 19 years old. My best friend and I were practicing witches at the time, and on this particular night, it was the beginning of a full moon. There were some thickly wooded areas in the small college town we lived in that they were well known for being secret hangout spots for college kids and high school kids and the like. It had a sizable, secluded clearing at the end of a forked hiking trail that was only accessible after crossing through a park and two wooden bridges. Imagine a wishbone shape with a clearing at the far end. We thought that this would be the perfect place to set up shop and do some scary witchy rituals as we had been there plenty of times before and we knew both sides of the trail decently well, even in the dark. So we pack our supplies in her milk crate and head to the park. After parking, we walked from the parking lot to the first bridge. On the way to it, you have to pass by an outdoor theater that usually is wholly empty other than the occasional group of college students not wanting to make the 30-minute walk out to the clearing. But this time, there was a man I had never seen around town. He appeared homeless due to his dirty and weathered clothes, a bicycle leaning against a wall with bags of junk hanging from it, and a basket stuck with more trash on the back. He was sitting on the stage of the theater with his back to us and his face in his hands. A homeless man hanging out in a park may not sound odd, but this was a tiny town, and homeless people were noticed when there were ones here, which wasn't very often. Since his back was turned to us, we figured we could slip away without him seeing us, so we did and continued our hike to the clearing. 
We got there without issue and began setting up as the full moon was almost overhead. We started our work, and I let her go first so I could double check the perimeter to ensure we were safe and alone before coming back to sit with her and watch, but still listening for any sound for animals or lurkers. Then I heard rustling from the direction of the trail side we had come from. I jumped up, flicked out my pocket knife, and turned to face whatever had made the noise. From our spot in the clearing, it was about ten feet from the dark trail ending, but the moon's light was just enough for me to catch a glimpse of something quickly ducking under some sort of brush. I quietly whispered to my friend that I had just seen somebody, and start to pack up our stuff. She looked at me wide-eyed, and as I did so, she kept her eyes trained on that spot. Then, we heard something else come from the woods, and she picked the crate up immediately. It was a quiet, but stern laughing. I shouted at the sound that whatever it was needed to F off, and that I was armed, but whoever was watching laughed even louder. Finally, my friend started to panic and hissed to me that we needed to go, but the only other way out of here was on the other side of the trail, which we didn't know too well. The sound of more twigs snapping and rustling as whoever it was started to come out of their hiding place made up her mind and she took off towards the other side of the trail. As she did, I heard the tearing of more brush, like whoever it was was trying to fight its way through the dense area to cut her off. Her safety is my biggest priority. I followed after her, but when I started running, the noise got quieter. Not gone, but like the person was taking their time getting through. We'd made it a quarter mile down the trail, hearing the occasional twig snapping or brush rustling along the way. Before I turned my phone's flashlight on so we could hopefully get down the path faster without tripping, a few minutes after I did, there was suddenly stomping behind us like someone was booking it towards us. I spun around ready to defend us, light still in hand, and that's when I finally got a good look at her pursuer. It was the homeless man from before. His face looked dirty and beaten up, but his eyes were what shook my bravery. It was entirely clear he was on some sort of substance because his pupils were almost the size of his irises and his rotted teeth were bared and clenched together so tightly it looked painful. He stopped dead in his tracks and ran back toward the clearing after the light hit him, which was my cue to do the same toward the park. After that we ran as fast as we could and only stopped for breath when the bridge came into sight. We breathed a sigh of relief. That man didn't seem to have chased us the rest of the way. Still, as we crossed the bridge into the artificial light of the park, we looked back and saw his junk-packed bike half covered by a tarp and dead brush thrown over it as if he was trying to hide his presence from anyone else who would be passing by. She ran ahead of me across the bridge and towards the car, but I continued to stare just a little bit longer. I swear I saw his face peek out from the trail with a massive grin on his face that sent a shiver down my spine. I raced after my friend. We dove into the car and whipped out of there like bats out of hell. I looked back and saw a dark silhouette standing on the bridge. We called the cops to report what we had seen, leaving out why we were there, and they said they would send a car out to investigate, but we never heard anything back from them, and thankfully we never saw that man again. Be safe when you're out there on trails, my friends. Thanks for listening to these creepy and downright strange deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to smack that like button so it really feels it. Subscribe to the Swamp Dweller YouTube channel if you're new. I upload brand new episodes almost every single day in all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode on the show, be sure to send in your story at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. 
I would be honored to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast platforms, please be sure to give this a five-star rating over there as it helps us grow on those platforms and is very much appreciated. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely for free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. I love seeing the discussions unfold. If you made it to the end, be sure to comment tonight's code word, which is upside down tree. I'd love to see how many of you make it to the end and it's always funny to see people confused in the comments about why everybody's commenting some random term. Don't forget to join me over on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and all the good social media websites out there. Thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do every single day. I couldn't do this without you guys and I'll see you all very, very soon with another creepy episode.